the only podcast that groups and stacks of 10 in your inventory. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Exclamation mark, the only podcast that groups in stacks of 10 in your inventory. My name is Croft and Steers. I am one of your, uh, I guess, refined hosts, debonair hosts. And with me is uh, the dashing dean of debonairness. I'm talking about Bo Schwartz. Bo, welcome. Happy New Year. Hello, everyone. Hello, Crofton. Uh, yeah. We're in 2016. EXM made it to 2016. And uh, I know, thanks for I, I, saying I'm debonair. You're probably being too generous. I believe our good friend Michael called me a surf today. So. He meant it just he meant uh, a medieval, pretty much a medieval slave, and not like a surfing board or something. You know, oh, I can understand. is that what surf means? It doesn't. He didn't call me a body of wa- a part of a body of water. No. So <laughs> if you if you were thinking that you were part of a body of water, you were not. I was so confused. Thanks for clarifying that. The other uh, the other thing is I should clarify for our lists, listeners, uh, of which there are many. Hi, Bo's mom. Um, Hi. Is uh, is is yeah? We we've taken a, another bunch of time off over the holidays. We've loaded up on games. We try to put out EXM as often as we can, but uh, you know we've we've run into a couple of snags here or there. And, and number one for Bo and I is having fun. So we uh, we put it out when we can. We hope you bear with us, and uh, we're not going anywhere. It just uh, just takes a while sometimes, you know? These yeah. things aren't magic. Yeah, and, there, you know, we had some adventures. I had a job adventure. Not that I want to talk too much about it, but I tried to start a new job, and it didn't work out. And that played into some of our complications, so, you know. Game over. Game over. That's it. apparently the employment thing, not a video game I'm very good at. <laughs> and part of the problem is Please maybe... insert a quarter to continue. I don't have a quarter. Yeah. This game sucks. Where's the controller on this job? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I uh, guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, but... Um... Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's After the new you. year. No, I was going to say it's the new year. It's new us. We're going to try a couple of new things this week. Uh, you know, it's it's all in the name of uh, having fun talking about uh, our favorite games uh, with a year behind us. I know we, a year is an arbitrary thing, uh, but like it gives us time to sort of look back at the games of last year as well and, and some of the experiences that we enjoyed. So, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but uh, there's been some stuff going on, stuff uh, that Bo and I want to talk about in the in the world that I call the news the video game news and uh, we do have a segment for that and it still exists in 2016 the segments called readme.txt readme.txt i have to say the the tone of the show is somewhat macabre you know, we're like, it still exists. It wasn't slaughtered or killed or, you know, it's like, ooh. Yeah. It's uh, the yeah, dark no, ages of people... podcasting without Bo and Crofton. 
Well, people might think, you know, they, 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 they see a new episode of EXM and then they're like, oh, they're still here. And, and then they hear talk about changes and then they get scared and I just want to make them feel better, you know, make them realize that don't you worry, all the stuff you know and love, it's still here, guys, just less often than you would like. Um, so, uh, yeah, readme.txt. So as part of Bo and my new approach, instead of like going through all the news, we're just going to talk about the stuff that really jumped out at us, stuff that we really sort of, uh, drew our attention this week. And it may be shorter and that'll give us more time to talk about the games that we have been playing games that you want to hear about tips and tricks or just impressions and that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, really what's going on this week is the consumer electronics show, um, and I always, I always kind of like this show, Bo, because it's, uh, it, it's sort of like the, a sort of a peek into the future, you know. Like I'm not sure if you've ever looked at what they they have on display at this thing, CES, but it's always like, it's always the things that you imagine from science fiction, almost. Like there's this image going around Reddit about, um, I guess there's these new translucent monitors like uh it's like a tv that you put up in your living room uh and um when it's off you can't see like it's not like transparent like a window but it it's sort of sort of like translucent so you can see objects in the back and it can do all sorts of weird things like make it look like it's full of water or whatever just hmm. anyway it's it was it's pretty cool. It looked like something that if you were watching a movie like Minority Report or something that they'd have in the background to show that you're in the future. Um, so anyway, I like I like that stuff. And of course, that's where um, for the gamers, that's often where you see some of the new uh, kit, some of the new tech, often like new laptops, new desktops, video cards, all that stuff. But also VR stuff. And uh, there was a big uh, – lots of big news with regards to VR this year. Bo, did you follow any of that? I actually didn't. The only thing I heard about was the price point. And I heard That's about it – That's a big news. That's big. I heard about it from somebody and I'm, we'll get into it. But, you know, I got an email from Oculus. And you know what I've been doing? Because I signed – I have an Oculus DK2 and I'm in the newsletters. I get the newsletters in my email. Lately, I've just kind of been deleting it because the emails have been really boring. <laughs> like – Hey, there's a new SDK available, whatever. I'm not developing actually for it, so... What's an um, SDK? Uh, it's a software development kit, so it's the software component. Okay. To, right, know, right. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't care about that either. You need that. It's got libraries in it that help you program your video games, interfaces, things like that. So um, I think I kind of, I didn't realize this stuff for Oculus was coming down the pipe because it was all supposed to be here by now. I recall the Vive and the... Morpheus and, and Oculus it was supposed to be kind of releasing fall or Christmas and Christmas came and no VR technology for consumers so I kind of was like disinterested it's coming soon it's coming soon though supposedly supposedly but like I I've been like okay sure heard it before like I'm gonna care about this when an actual date is like a ship date is announced or people start getting copies of it in their hands um, okay yeah so I, price, I disregarded the, it and then found out about it through like conversation. So that's been my and the, and the so okay so Palmer Lucky the VR crew for Oculus finally announced the the retail price point for Oculus and it's essentially five ninety nine six hundred bucks American. What are your thoughts on that? Too much? Not enough? 
it's expensive. I mean, you know, a lot of these pieces of hardware, the big ones, because I feel like even though it's a peripheral, like a joystick or a monitor, it's not an Xbox or a PlayStation, but it feels like it's a system, if that makes any sense, right? Yeah, it does make sense. Because the apps have to be developed exclusively for use on VR. You're not buying software that you can then just use on PC. Like, it's basically... A, um, what, what would you call it? like a, like a, a gaming environment, and the things that you're going to use need to be programmed for it. So it's more expensive than these already what are supposedly cheaper loss leaders. You know, like when you buy an Xbox or a PlayStation, that's sold at a loss. This has been common knowledge for a long time that you know your three hundred dollar Xbox company's not making money on that. They're making money on your game sales. They're afterwards. selling Oculus at a loss. That's what they well, said too. That that could be, but it's like it's not a palatable loss for the market. Like my brain, which is used to a lower price point, yeah, is being asked to buy a peripheral at a higher price point. A peripheral, yeah. This doesn't seem like oh, everyone's going to have this device in the house, which is sort of how it. You know, when you when you talk to people that are bullish about VR, they're saying. Yo, every, everyone's going to have a VR device in their house. This is the next thing. And Oculus, the Oculus itself made a lot of hype about it. I don't see how this isn't a thing just for the types of nerds that we are willing to spend hundreds of dollars on an experimental you know, piece of technology. Um, because it's, you- it still is. There's no killer app yet for it. So just just dissecting what you were saying earlier about um, about it almost feeling like a game system, but you're right; it's not in the sense that it has to work with a computer. And what what Palmer Lucky was like, what they keep going back to is their key message. And I work in communication, so I can see this: is they're talking about like, yeah, it's it's six hundred bucks, but you can you can. Uh, like we were thinking about it more as like you buy a computer that comes with the Oculus Rift and we have these packages at like I don't know what it was 1500 bucks or something which doesn't really considering I just bought my computer at close to 2G's you know to get a computer with the Oculus for 1500 like it seems more palatable obviously my question to you is as somebody who has the the developmental Oculus and you might not know this but if you plug it into something a computer that is not powerful enough or that runs like you know if i play if i try and play a game uh that my computer's not powerful enough to play it will often play the game but run it at a ridiculously poor frame rate or you know it'll just be lagged out and it's it's crazy um will the same thing happen with oculus or will oculus just refuse to play games and stuff that it that your computer doesn't support because i would imagine having lag like if if I'm playing at like eight frames or five frames a second or something like that, that would make my head explode in Oculus. Do they have like gateways that stop you from even being able to, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like to play crappy, have crappy experiences, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, like when you plug in your Oculus and try to play a game that your computer can't handle, will the Oculus just be like, sorry, you can't play that, no, you can't play this, you need no. a minimum spec to be able it'll, to run the Oculus? It'll do the thing computers do and run it like a pile of shit. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, okay. we play a game at like, it's. we've all had that experience where our system sucks and we're playing a game at like 
five frames per second, right? Like that's what you're but talking about. But see, that's about. what consoles, like that's what what Sony sort of is is promising. They're like, look, everybody's gonna have a PS4. It has the same specs. All our VR experiences will be games. Yeah. Where Oculus is kind of uh, focused on, well, like it's focused on games, but it's also like it's owned by Facebook, right? So that's always in the background. Sure. Um, but but uh, but Sony's like. Oh, this is going to work with uh, a set computer you have in your living room, the PS4. Um, everybody, uh, like, it's the best-selling console of this generation. Tons of people have it already. You're going to get this new headset. It's going to be a peripheral. Uh, they they haven't released their price, but if they shoot well under 600 bucks, they're pretty much set to, to, to look well uh, in comparison. And Palmer Lucky has said that, look, Oculus is targeting kind of a different market and it's a higher end product, which is probably true. Like I, I bet you if I had a Morpheus or a – what is it? PlayStation VR it's called now and I had Oculus in my two hands, I bet one would feel like more luxurious, the Oculus. And the PlayStation VR would probably feel cheaper. But in the end, like to the end consumer, it, it, which one is going to you know sell more, sell more, right? And And I feel like – Right out the gate, PlayStation has an advantage, especially if it comes out with a lower price point. But Oculus may have more legs for developers and stuff. But as a gamer, is that going to interest me? Like, are there going to be a ton of games for Oculus, or are they going to make games that we that are already out, like backward compatible with Oculus, like games like Skyrim or whatever, Fallout Four? Could that suddenly be like an Oculus game? Well, um, actually, there there are some. I will say this about. Uh, uh, the SDKs that there are there's a company I don't know in some country somewhere um, it's probably Germany who is <laughs> I can't just throw a dart at a board yeah. it's Germany I can't remember there's this thing called the Vorpex driver um, and there's a few other companies Vorpex is the one I actually paid for at the time that enables 3D in games like Borderlands and Skyrim and stuff like that That that's out there on the market I think the shady thing about it is that it's I don't think the company's condone the the you know selling of software drivers that affect their games specifically because i think it's not it doesn't just work on any game it has it works on specific games and the developers constantly adding new games to it it's kind of buggy but you can go into skyrim and experience the 3d experience of, of skyrim or borderlands 2 is another one that this works on but i guess um, the idea is in those games as they stand right now your head is and your body are like attached as one, right? Like yeah. it's not like mechanically it's annoying. Like if you're playing yeah. a shooter game, you have to look where you're shooting. So it's not the like if you move your head around, wherever you're moving your head, that's where the reticule for shooting is. Whereas yeah. like um the mod for Half Life Two, which you can play right now on, on the on the Oculus, uh, it's free if I think you own Half Life Two. Um your gun aiming is separate. Like, so with the mouse, you aim the pointer, kind of like a light gun shooter. Yeah, yeah. And your head can just do whatever it wants, and you move with the A AWSD keys. Um, much better experience, even though it's very low-poly, older game. Although yeah. good game, but, you know, it's not the best in VR experience. Um, it still gives you that cool sensation of being in the game. Um, I, I just think that, that if... If Oculus is to have like an abundance of experiences to compete with um, 
and they might not want to compete. Like just before I finished my comment, like Palmer Lucky has admitted that they gave Sony a sneak peek of the Oculus and all that technology well before, with the idea of like he he's committed to the success of VR. Like that was prior to them being bought by PlayStation. Obviously, maybe he's like he was the, courted- the Mother Teresa of virtual reality. <laughs> well, I think I think probably the selfishness reason was that he was like they were bought by P- Facebook, but maybe Sony would have bought them, right? But he, the way he's selling it is that that he wants F- VR to take off. He wants it to be more than a fad, and the more players that are, are involved, the better it's gonna. It's better the better it's gonna do. Um, so with the Consumer Electronics Show this year, I think all the all the things are there, and people are being able to sort of compare them. Um, but v- Oculus is supposedly really close to launch, and they're saying it's going to come with uh, Eve Valkyrie and uh, Lucky Tales, two completely different games. Um, Eve, the name Eve, I always think Eve Online. I think it's made by the same folks. It's is the it? same? Yeah, it's the Eve. It's CC, CPP or CCP, whatever that company is. It's it's the Eve Universe. Yes, but they have they ever made a game like that? Like. Like, you know, Eve is a, a more of a, you know, it's an MMO type game. Have they ever made like an action-y type game like this? or No, they, they've made that Dust 514, which is a failed shooter. They were rumored to have made, be making an MMO about vampires that sounded amazing that got scrapped. Basically, CPP makes one game. That's Eve. And I think it's half the nat- national gross product of like Iceland, like crazy like i think half the Icelandic <laughs> population just work for the mmo company now or something i'm sure that's an exaggeration but they do have a statue i think in reykjavik devoted to eve online with the names of all the people that were sub during a given month i know because i didn't do it but they were like you know log in and subscribe for this month and your name your pilot name the warbringer incidentally will be <laughs> <laughs> will be engraved on this blah 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 so like he was a minor it's I it, it, that game is super important to the economy of Iceland, um, but this it, it's like the only game they do. I think so. They're they're maybe untested in this field. Uh, and is Eve Valkyrie is? Do you know anything? If it's like I remember, Dust literally affected the world of the MMO. Is this is this like you're participating in space battles no, that are going this is on? Like, this is Wing Commander, like Wing Commander One. Like it's it's you have space missions, you shoot space things. See, I like that. In VR. It sounds great. I they don't have a pedigree for making these kinds of games, but VR's uncharted territory. So on the one hand, you've got someone who's like, Well, how can they make a fun space shooter? You know, they, they their game is basically spreadsheet online, not yeah. like I've played it. It's pretty impenetrable in terms of the type of knowledge you need to get your to do anything awesome in that game. And it's pretty low tech game. That game is old, man. Like that's like circa two thousand, two thousand four level graphics and stuff. In some cases, it's dated. That being said, you know they have development resources. They're they're a reputable company. Just maybe, you know. And the, um, the other thing is, this is new. Like, why would a ga- why would a company that's good at making space shooters be any good at making it in VR either? The VR experience. There's a different focus on like UI and user feedback. Like the whole thing is going to be the way we think of gaming has to be very different because it's very focused on the immersion aspect of 
of the game where most games are played on a screen. So, you know, it's cool to have your health bar in the corner and to have like UI elements because you can see it all. That stuff's very hard to process in a 3D space. But is it is is the game only available in VR or yeah, will it it's, be I think it's I think it's only a VR. They might have a non-VR version probably if they like, want to maximize Cuz a space shooter to me feels like unlike the Skyrim thing where the body and the head need to be kind of detached like most of those space shooters have free look of some sort where you're in the cockpit and no. you can move your mouse and look all around or whatever so like i mean it's just a matter of kind of mapping that properly to the the head and then the rest kind of like there's a good example of it exists already i i have elite dangerous it, oh yeah it's, I, it's that has good some in sort game. of interaction it's, right uh, yeah and like all the ui elements are um basically like, even if you play on the 2d screen most of what you're doing is through the ship dashboard like yeah. you press f1 and you look to your left and there's a dashboard you press f four i think and there's a dashboard on your right side so like even the things you're doing are in cockpit elements there's no like menus you don't have to press escape and go through menus really so um, i would say that's the worst part of how the elite dangerous is handled is that there are still some flat screen menus that don't aren't the best but stellar cartography in that game is amazing because the map of the universe is like a 3d map like in star trek uh i want to say maybe generations i think that first one where they have like that you know cerebro type room where it all goes dark and there's a 3d like stellar map i guess no like way better than mass effect like it's literally all the routes to all the stars are mapped but there are literally like billions of star systems that you can explore in that game so when you're looking at the map to try and plot a route you can spend hours in there just sort of looking at the star map it's amazing like you, you have cool. to come over and try it. It's it's the stellar cartography in that game is amazing, and seeing it in three D, so you get depth. So you're in yeah. a map, but it's like you're in a three D space. It's so cool. Yeah, that does sound so impressive. I, I think that Eve Valkyrie will be. I think it will be a good immersive experience. What remains to be seen is that like not all space shooters are the same. Like, is is this going to be our ne- this generation's yeah, is this Tie be Fighter? A good game, yeah. yeah is like, this going to be good? Yeah. Or do I get one set of guns and do I just shoot it? And it's like, wow. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, that's right. Because when you make the comparison to Wing Commander, like when I was a kid, like I played Tie Fighter, Wing Commander, Privateer. I played Freelancer and all that sort of stuff. I got really into that. And, and uh, but I haven't been into one of those games for a while. I see Elite there, and uh, but it uh, I, I need I need some sort of story and action as well. Um, I've had my eye on Star Citizen, but I mean this could be this could be that game. So I'm I'm open to it, but it is a launch title for VR. So I, I'm I got a little asterisk of and next to my anticipation. The other launch title is completely on the other side. It's called Lucky Lucky's Tale or Lucky Tales, um, and it's a it's a three D platformer mascot of the type that launched the Nintendo sixty four. I'm talking like a cuddly, fuzzy uh, guy, and most importantly, in third person, not first person. And that that to me was very surprising. They're launching this new piece of kit and they're launching it with something that is in third person. Like I they're they're promising that that there's something about it that enhances the experience and I'm not I'm not exactly sure how it will work, but uh but people who have used it and gone 
uh, got an impression, seem to think that it's pretty neat how it works. And I like those platformers if they're good games. Again, if it's a good game, that's cool. But the VR element of it excites me a lot less than the VR element in a game like E Valkyrie. Yeah. Um, it's all going to come down to the gameplay on that thing. It can be it can be done really bad. I think, I think that I, it's doesn't matter the pedigree or anything like that. And for luck, like Lucky Stale, so do we know anything about what the story is? Because that seems like a horrid piece of narcissism. It's called mean? Lucky's Tale. Like as bad oh, as Hideo yeah, Kojima Pam, is, we're not playing Metal Gear Kojima or you know, yeah. like <laughs> Kojima Gear Solid or something. Like I'm like Lucky, are you? Kidding me? I don't want to. It might be coincidental. <laughs> Who knows? Coincidental. Yeah, right. Is it made by the develop? Is it made? Is Palmer Lucky involved with that? I'm company? sure he's not. But it's sure it's just like, hey, we want to ship a game. Um, why? Let's, let's do it in honor of the great Mother Teresa of virtual reality. <laughs> Palmer Lucky it's, called Lucky's Tale. Like, I think this guy is a certifiable narcissist. You know, and that's fine. We need all kind. It's not a crime to be a narcissist. It's no. just. Every time I'm going to play that game, I feel like I'm going to be, like, jacking that guy off, uh, you know, ego <laughs> Like, I'm just, why would I do that? Why would I play, like, you know, I don't know, who I else? Guess. Why would I play, like, uh, Donald Trump Brothers or something? Like, you know, like, it's that level of, like, ugh. Like, can't you just call him uh, Tommy? Just, Tommy's just Tale? Before, like, <laughs> before you go too far on this. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Let's uh, stop it there. It's too late. Yeah. Um, I I have a question for you as somebody who owns the the DK uh thing developer's kit. Um so okay, input uh, on VR and playing a VR game like playing a game on Oculus. They've announced that Oculus Touch, the sort of designed for Oculus uh input system is being delayed until the latter half of 2016. So how do you play these games? You're playing essentially with an Xbox. It comes with an Xbox One controller when you buy buy the Oculus, which is like I mean, I don't want to say that that's a good deal, but like if you're paying six hundred bucks, those Xbox One controllers are like sixty bucks by themselves. So that there is some value there, and so that controller, um, like when you're holding when you're holding a controller, but you can't see the controller because you're wearing this thing over your eyes. Does that hamper your ability? Like, how when you're playing games like Elite Dangerous or something on your Oculus Rift, do you feel like you're kind of grasping in the dark a little bit because your input is in real life but oh, your head's in VR? Yeah, the um, the the the, the key, finding certain keys on a keyboard, especially a game like Elite Dangerous, which has you know very nuanced fun. buttons in the game. Like, literally, I need what's the button for landing gear? Ah, what's the button to initiate hyperdrive? Like, fuck, man, there's like 80 buttons in, in Elite Dangerous. It is, it's no slouch. Like, this is it's, so. Like, your hands are on the keyboard, but you can't see well, the keyboards. You have right. to sort of feel. Here's, here's the thing about Elite Dangerous nerds: there is a great piece of software out there called VoiceAttack.com where you can get voice macros, and there is uh-huh. a great voice pack. Um, what you do, you know, your text to speech thing on your windows, it sounds dumb, but it's yeah, yeah. like, it's for, you know, the hearing impaired. There's actually, um, Ilona two as a company that makes voice packs has a great voice called Amy does a great British accent. So re- as, about as realistic as you can get way better than Siri and that shit. So you, in your face Siri. Yeah. 
so what you do, like, I've got a set of macros that I've programmed myself where I'm like, hello, computer. And then she goes, hello, sir. And then I'm like, can you please, you know, if I say landing gear, deploy landing gear, the landing gear will get deployed. It is amazing. Oh, that's and, awesome. But but when you get into like a dogfight or something like that. Sure. Uh, prime weapons. You have to engage your weapons. There's a button. It's like holstering your weapons. So you don't want to go into friendly space with your guns out because people are going to think you're being hostile. You'd be asked to put your guns away. So there's a button for that too. So yes, when you're in the middle of fighting, you need to be like cycle weapons and you might you might um you have control groups so let's say you have four guns you might make different configurations for the guns you want to have online because there's yeah. a certain amount of power drain and cpu drain associated with the number of guns and if you're balancing your 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 like the cool thing about elite dangerous is that you can balance your ship's energy resources and stuff like that in real time you can instantly you can overload it X wing and, and blow up your ship this is very detailed, though, because you can, you know, it's all it's all that detailed, like, swapping. When you go to a, um, a docking bay, you can buy all kinds of gear for your ship. One of the first mistakes I made was I bought a shit ton of gear and couldn't use, like, 80% of it because I only had so much power capacity. And I was like, oh, I wasted a bunch of money on I see you landing. I can see you landing before you got this voice thing. You're coming up to the space station. You're like, okay, I got to line up my ship to dock. I got to just do it here. What button? God, I can't see the buttons here. Uh, Just clip it. Launching missile. Oh, no, 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 no. That's that's exactly like what it was like. We're just like, no, no. No, 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 no. The hardest thing in that game is is honestly docking because you have to request permission to dock and then – you have to guide your ship in, and some of them have internal parking where you have to line up on the landing pad. And if you screw it up, you just basically crash your ship and explode. It's the worst sounds, thing. Sounds like having sex. Yeah, yeah. Bad <laughs> at it. I know I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So well, I- VR experience. Hopefully, the Eve Valkyrie experience is pretty streamlined and not complex like Elite Dangerous. Although I love Elite Dangerous, I think it's great. Well, that's uh, that's that's pretty good. I mean, like, I, I'm still stoked. I, I and the price point doesn't scare me off, but it makes me recognize that there are going to be less early adopters, and it it's also put me off maybe being an early adopter and just waiting a little bit. I'd like to see the reviews for some of these games um, that come out. I'd like, you know, when when I hear of a must-have VR experience, I'm going to be all over it because I I'm really excited for this, and I have a computer now that can you know handle it and all this. Uh, but but those launch titles aren't tickling my fancy yet, and the price point has made me think a little a little bit uh, about this. So we'll see we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm but I'm excited that it's coming up sooner rather than later. And uh, CES seems to be the coming out party for the the VR stuff. Um, so yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about in the news this week. Did you have anything you want to talk about other than what we just blabbed on for about twenty minutes on? No, I think we're good on the news front. Um, you know, so there's, we there's stuff happening, but we'll move on. All right, I right, good because I want to talk about games. If only we had some sort of segment in which we did that. We do, we do, Crofton. We absolutely do. It's called Games per Minute. Yes. Kids minds like vegetables. Talk about them on the street smoking pot. This is Games per Minute. All right. Bo, did you get any games for Christmas? I didn't, but we didn't really do the gift thing. We saw Star Wars for Christmas. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I have a birthday on December 31st, which 
as you know, is very close to Christmas. So between those two days, I got quite a few games. Nice. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm stoked and excited to play them. I, they include, like, all the major ones that I've missed from 2015. Uh, so I got Fallout 4. I got um, I got uh, Bloodborne for PS4. And uh, I got... A, Bloodborne's a hard one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the Demon Souls type. I, I played the original Demon Souls... Uh, oh, sorry. It's Demon Souls, Dead Souls. Okay, yeah. So Demon Souls is the first one for PS PS3, and I got that one. And it's sort of like the least common one, the hardest one to find now. And uh, I never finished it, not due to difficulty, although it's very hard, but due to just like I played it for a long time, I still wasn't done, and then I just got bored. Something else came out. You know how it is. Um, but sure. I always feel like when I, – I think I have Dead Souls on Steam or Dead uh, – and and I always think about those games as like, oh, yeah, I should finish Demon's Souls before I play those games. Like, why would I start the sequel when I didn't finish the one before? But Bloodborne is kind of like a spinoff and it's a little more action-y and the reviews for it are very strong. And they say it's a real good entry point for that sort of, you know, masochistic type of video game and so i'm 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 excited to play it there's a couple of people on my facebook that really like bloodborne a lot and it was definitely in all the game of the year conversations. so i'm gonna play it at one point but i'm determined to give each of these games a fair shake and right now i'm still knee deep in metal gear solid 5 okay so which one have you been playing the most oh metal gear solid 5 Okay, and so what's the verdict on this game? Because uh, so, last uh, time it, we talked, I think you were just getting into it. We talked a bit about some of the video gameness of the game, right? It's okay. The thing is, it's I had complicated relationship with this game when I started because I told you about my abusive relationship with the Metal Gear Solid series. How I keep coming back. I told you about my my uh, unhealthy love for The Witcher Three and how how the fact that it, this game, Metal Gear, was being bandied about in the same conversation for Game of the Year as The Witcher 3 made my blood boil and all that. But yeah. once I got past all those sort of things and I just sort of got into the game, sto- the, um, the, the, and, and, and I'm, I'm rehashing a lot of what people have been saying about this game. But it, it it's fun to play, and it just gets increasingly more fun to play as you unlock stuff, and there's a lot to unlock. Different weapons, different buddies, different commands for your buddies, and each each thing you unlock allows you to approach missions differently, and you can even go back and play missions that you finished uh, earlier uh, with with your new new items and new things, and it will affect how those missions unfold or give you different different ways of getting a different score because you get graded on the on on each mission, which is kind of addictive. You you're like, oh, I'd like to go back and see if I can get a better better grade. Um, and it everything about it is 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 well suited to to gameplay and all that. The thing that is is so hard for me is that the story is horrible, and I can't say that enough. Like it is, uh, like even by Metal Gear Solid sta- standards. Now there's less story, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of it that you can play on cassettes while you're playing the game. Like you so between missions and unlockables, you get these cassettes that you can listen to 
either in your helicopter or as I do when you're running around on on a side mission that's not very important. You'll listen to the cassettes and it might be interviewing a prisoner. And a lot of the major story beats happen on these cassettes. And uh, they're like the whole story is is not only is it not very uh, interesting, it's also not very consequential to the entire Metal Gear mythos. In fact, I, I mentioned how this was a, a, um, a follow-up to a portable game, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Yeah. Well, well, that portable game has a store, a better story and a story that's more important to all of the Metal Gear Solid franchise than this game does, which is a, you know, triple A super huge budgeted game. So all that sort of stuff is crazy. Um, to me but when you look past the story and just look at the minute to minute what are you doing like you're you're landing your helicopter you're going on a mission a mission that you can approach from a multitude of angles lethal non-lethal look at all these gadgets you have you can detach your bionic arm and have it walk up and knock somebody in the face and (laughs) knock them unconscious you can have your dog go and take a tranquilizer knife and stab someone until they get electrocuted you can like You can stab them your, until they get electrocuted. You oh, can wow. you can get your horse to shit on the road so a car will hit the shit and then slide out and crash into a tree. Like I mean, there's all sorts of weird crap that you can do in this game, but it's really the the multitude of choice um, that is very impressive. Although I do find myself doing the same stuff over and over. Like I'm always using the stun pistol. I'm always headshotting dudes. Um, uh, and like you know, stunning because if you tranquilize, if I shoot a guy with a tranquilizer dart, it takes him a while to fall over, like unconscious. He'll still continue his stuff or whatever. He might even be alerted. But if you nail him in the head, he's out right away. So you want to get sort of headshots and all this. So it's it's cool like that. But I put fifty five hours into that game, and wow. then yeah, because I kept doing side missions. Like there's these things called. Uh, side ops and i kept doing those you can unlock because you're building up your base you can unlock all this stuff and then i do the main story missions as well but but it's funny because like you unlock whole gameplay features really late in the game or not late in the game but like i just unlocked last night the whole multiplayer component of the game uh which i had yet to discover like you have to finish like mission 20 or something to unlock this component and um, it it was kind of annoying because like to get uh, a lot of things for my my t- when you're researching gear for your team or for your character there'll be prerequisites what to to get certain pieces of gear so I wanted that stun knife for my dog so that instead of my dog killing people he could dispatch people non lethally but to get that stun knife you need to have a security team of level twenty. And I was like, what the fuck is a security team? It turns out a security team you can is something you can only get after mission 20 in the game when you unlock the multiplayer component. Because the multiplayer component is about invading other people's games. And so right now people could be invading my game uh, my, and, and you can – you hire a security team to protect your base – so that when the invading players come in, they have to fight your security dudes. Because if you, if I'm playing, I'll get an alert that says your base is being invaded. Do you want to go help protect it? But if I'm not playing, then those guys can just go and loot my base. So What? That seems yeah. crazy. Can't well, you... it, yeah, it's it, to be fair, it's not your main base. It's like you you it's 
you get to a point in the game where you can build a second base and they can never they can never invade your main base they're always invading the second base oh, but okay. they can kidnap a lot of your soldiers which are often valuable assets you know they have different hmm. skills and such so you have to spend a certain amount of money on security you got to research stuff for your security team but honestly i invaded a couple of other players bases and uh it was like because they they match make right so it's like these are guys at your level and they were all people who had clearly never done anything via their like they had just passed mission 20 or whatever i think that the word for that is they were noobs noobs yeah for sure like me (laughs) the thing is they were noobs that because the thing is is that if you didn't do anything like if you didn't invade somebody else's base you would draw no attention to yourself and you and probably nobody would invade your base there's a good chance nobody ever would and you could just continue playing the single player game but uh but what happened was i invaded a couple of people's bases noobs it's very easy because they had barely any security and like it's pretty easy what you have to do if there's barely any security and no players interfering and 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 no players came to stop me. Uh, and so I kidnapped a bunch of their dudes. They're all worthless, so I fired them all as soon as I kidnapped them. But, You're uh, fired as a hostage. But, uh, but then it says once you invade them, they get a revenge option. Right, so when they go in, when they log into their game, it'll be like you were invaded by Crofton. He, you know, like, do you want to seek revenge or whatever? And they can say yes. So I've placed a target on my back with regards to these two players. So if they're still playing Metal Gear, which I'm hoping they're not, or I'm hoping that they suck so bad that they'll get killed by my security team, crack security team, and then I'll get bonuses because I'll get bonuses if they get taken out by my team. Uh, but uh, I, I it's pretty easy. Is it, is it fun? Be- um, and wait, before we continue, by the way, I just yeah. want to say I noticed that there's like some smoke billowing out the window behind you. What? I'm gonna turn around. This better not yeah. be a. Is that normal? Oh yeah, that's the dryer. Oh okay. I thought maybe that that's what it was, but I'd hate myself if I just didn't say anything this whole time. <laughs> That's good. Eye. Yeah. Nice though, Bo. Good I was eyes. like, I was getting distracted. I was like, do I say something? Maybe there is a fire. Okay. Anyway, so do you find that it's ch- is it challenging this mode or worth playing? Like, is it the engaging? multiplayer? Yeah, I like it. I like it. So far, it's not challenging at all to me because I've attacked new bases, which are much less challenging than the single player bases. I'm. And it's not really multiplayer. If the other player is not playing the game at the same time you're playing the game, that when you invade their base, you're just fighting their AI, right? Like whatever whatever guards they've positioned, and you can do that. You can sort of position guards and, and, and set up traps type things. So like I'm just dealing with their crap. It's pretty much like playing the, the single-player game. And because they were so low level, it was very easy. I looked at the leaderboard, though, and there's some players with ridiculous points. And I imagine that they're probably playing at a whole other level, you know, of like crazy complexity. Like there is in these games. I think it's it's one of those things that's interesting that it's there, but you could totally avoid a lot of it. But the thing is, is that I found it really surprising. Like 
I'd put almost 60 hours in this game before even unlocking a bunch of stuff. It wasn't just the multiplayer mode. Mm -hmm. It came with the security team. It came with a bunch of gear. It came with these things called forward operating bases, which allow me to send more guys on on I, dispatch missions. Like there's all this, there's all this stuff that's only unlocking now. And I know that there's probably more stuff to unlock in the game. So it keeps you coming back in, in that way. But I, it's just like, it all, as soon as there's story stuff of any sort, it kind of grinds to a halt. And, uh, and there's all this distasteful stuff I find because Kojima tries to comment on child soldiers of all things. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, a big part of the game takes place in Africa and it's really like heavy-handed ridiculousness. And so you have like at one point – remember when I told you in a previous episode how like every mission starts with like a cast like brought to you by Hideo Kojima and all that sort of stuff. And then it says to you who's going to be in the mission starring Snake and – you know, like Skullface. And I'm like, oh, Skullface is going to be in this mission. Like whoever's starring in it. And it'll be like, and featuring child soldiers. (laughs) What? (laughs) I know. It's so ridiculous. And I'm like, oh my God, Kojima, what is wrong with you? So there's all these eye rolling, like groaning moments. And then the child soldiers are there and you got to trank them all and all this. And then meanwhile, like, all right, let's be clear on this violence versus children. Given that it's a sandbox game, can you just shoot them? No. If you shoot – if you shoot – yes, you can. You could kill a ch- – I think you can kill a, ch- a child and then it would just immediately say game over. Like it, – it, hmm. but you can um, – you have to tran- tranquilize them or avoid avoid them. They'll shoot at you. They have guns and stuff like this. But it's it's really hard to make a poignant political statement about child soldiers when you're you're picking up a cow with a hot air balloon next to them uh, as you're like, oh, Fulton, Fulton this, Fulton this, because you can, can see these Can you Fulton balloons. the child soldiers? No, you can't until you develop the, and I shit you not, child Fulton. <laughs> what? And I haven't developed that yet. And so, wait a second. When you Fulton the children, do they become your child soldiers or do you send them to school like they're supposed to? It's unclear. There's this cutscene where you're You haven't gotten the child Fulton yet, so you don't know, basically. No, but at one point there's this mission where your goal is to save all these child soldiers and then you take them out and you're going to be like... um, Your guy says something like, I'm going to give them the choice, but... They're going to learn how to handle certain things. And it sounds like you're going to train them in guns too. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's it's very unclear. Um, and your characters, your character and his team all seem kind of like douchebags as well. So, I mean, you can't think about the story too much. Yeah, uh, like, Big Boss isn't a good guy, right? Like, he's not a quintessential good guy. No, and at this point, this is in the he middle of your mythos. in the ads with a horn on his head. Well, he's trying to – this is the game and like – no, I haven't finished it or anything. But this is like the whole it, – it, to draw a parallel to Star Wars. The, it's the Anakin two, story? Yeah, it's the Anakin story and he's supposedly – like he's going to become Darth Vader for Solid Snake to, uh, to, to fight later on. It's kind of funny that the conflict between Solid Snake and Naked Snake, like the two generations happens in the Nintendo – entertainment system games the, like it happens in ones. like yeah. the very first metal gear solid and 
it, if that if there was ever a game due for a remake with nice graphics and better story, that's that's one. Like, I uh, wonder if that's what so, will happen with uh, Hideo leaving. You know, he doesn't own the Metal Gear franchise, right? No, I know. I mean, like the gameplay is is really good. It it uh, it's I, uh, it's hard it's hard to. I, I do have a question about it actually. When you talk about that online stuff, is that there's still more coming for Metal Gear Solid? Wasn't there a Metal Gear Solid online? Isn't there yeah, like I, a... I think this is different than that. I think there is a Metal Gear Solid Online, and I'd have to research it. Like there was for Metal Gear Solid Four, and this is, and uh, I know that there is some something like that for this as well. But this is really an online component to Metal Gear Solid Five, and the only way that two players would be in it together is if, again, is if I was attacking your base and you got you were playing at that time and you got a notification. Um, so yeah. A- anyway, uh, I feel like I talked a lot about Metal Gear Solid, and honestly, I'm going to have tons more to say. Um, it's, it's a game I'm interested in playing and hearing about, so I'm very happy to talk about no, it with you. It's uh, I, I feel kind of um, torn with it all the time. Like nonstop, I feel torn with it. Like sometimes I'm just like, why am I playing this game? And then other times when I, I do, I go on this mission and I'm running around and I can ha- like. I, I, I've got all this these great tools that I've, I'm using to their maximum capacity and I'm creating all sorts of you know crazy moments then then I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm playing this game. Uh, and you can approach all these levels from there's no real right way to do it and uh, I, I love that about it. but at the same time it's a game that has like it's one female character uh, is essentially, a, they developed some sort of ridiculous plot motivation for why she's naked all the time in in some sort of like bikini, and they have like she, all sorts of boob bound. She physics. breathes through her skin. That's what I heard. It's ridiculous, and and also it's it's um it, having just played The Witcher, which is ripe with like you know they're both both The Witcher and Metal Gear Solid Five are male power fantasies. Like in in the past year, we've had two. Uh, two games that incorporate like this this to the nth degree like they're giant single player games where you're playing the alpha male that everybody is like oh Geralt of Rivia he is so great or oh big boss he is the man you know everybody is like worshipping the ground that you walk upon and you're super powerful or whatever um in in each game, how they treat their female characters are different. Now in Metal Gear, there is only one female character, and it is it is uh, Quiet, this sniper that you can recruit, and is she, she doesn't say anything, and is just like like I can't I can't even properly put into words how objectified she is. Um, and meanwhile, The Witcher, which has tons of sex and mature content actually has these super well-written, multi-dimensional, strong female characters. So, I mean, it is it is interesting to see how you can you can have that too. Because I can't think, aside from Tomb Raider, I can't think of many female power fantasy games. Like where you're a where you're a girl and you're like kicking ass and everybody's worship you know you know worshiping you. And there's nothing inherently wrong with these games, but I do think it would be interesting sometime because like in in uh, Metal Gear 
you're playing a snake, but you've got Revolver Ocelot and you've got this guy Kaz Miller, one of the most annoying characters I've ever seen, who <laughs> are sort of like your support guys. So they're they're always talking to you through your comm link. They're doing a bunch of stuff. Just like in Mass Effect, you're Shepard. It's a power-up fantasy, male or female, depending on your character. The whole galaxy depends on you, Shepard. I think it'd be interesting to do to design a video game in which you are like one of the support characters to like this major this major figure. Like there's a figure that you're playing Garrus instead of Shepard, or you're playing like um, you know. It, uh, Alistair and Dragon Age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Like you're you're a sidekick. You're yeah. not the core, but you see you see the person who is like at the center of everything. I think it would be an interesting approach because these games where you are like the whole world revolves around you and your actions to a certain extent. It is empowering and it makes people want to play them, but it gets kind of ridiculous after a certain point. And Metal Gear is like quintessential like i've told you before about how you run around the base and everybody salutes you and if you punch them in the face they're like thank you boss you know like they're just so excited that you're interacting with them and it's like it's a total a total like a big boss is the best that seems like subversive commentary in a weird way of that kind of thing because you're right i'm tired of being the like i want to play in a world i think what it's important is that these interactive worlds you have agency but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it has to be a, a ridiculous fantasy where you're the man or you're the best in in the world, even though you're yeah. facing these challenges. Like, I totally get where you're coming from. Where I just like to be one of the peons trying to achieve success or something. I don't. I, know. I would like, like to be. That's I, what I liked about the, the Walking peon, Dead, but somewhere in the well, middle. The Walking in the, the Walking. And this is it's controversial, but the Walking Dead game where you pretty much play, I think, as Lee, like the first one. Yeah. Like, you're not awesome. Like, you're just a dude, and you make some, sometimes some shitty decisions. Like, there's just nothing, uh, like, you're important uh, to a lot of people in that story. Uh, but you, I never, you never feel like you're, you know. That's a good example. You know. It is true. Although, I would, I would argue that in a way, that like, you're the kind of like not the man in the group but like you're of the group there it feels like it's close to you being rick grimes in that group you know which sure so not not exactly it is a good example and and i i would i i just i think it would be interesting to play one of these sort of crazy power fantasy games but from a perspective that's close to the center but not the center like you're the gopher or you're the whatever like like in borderlands like, 2 where you play where claptrap refers to you as minion well, yeah even though is, you know you're not in that game but, no no it but, is it is funny yeah like you yeah for sure but you do so, get that feeling of minion follow me so you but know. uh but metal gear solid despite that like it, it makes you feel really powerful um and it is it is uh, it is fun to play on a minute to minute level, uh, but really, I mean, the story. I cannot I cannot tell you how bad it is. It's really uh, it's really just horrible, and um, and and that does take away from it. Even though there, it's not too story based for a Metal Gear game, but like for someone like you, I think that you wouldn't. Um, 
you you could still very much enjoy the game without getting caught up in the story because the base development and all the upgrades and all that stuff is there. It's pretty rewarding. Plus, the gameplay is really rewarding. And 90% of the time, that's what you'll be doing. It's funny because I love story in games, and this is just one that did not work for me. Yeah, I'm sad to hear you say that because you know what the biggest hook for Metal Gear Solid Five was that second trailer. The music they picked for it and the tone they set with it, like I just like wow, I loved, I I I loved it. I've seen that thing like twenty times. That trailer is a fabulous piece of marketing. I'll I'll have to watch it. I'll tell you, I bought The Witcher Three on a trailer. The launch trailer I bought, uh, I bought that game on, and I do you not know the one I'm talking about? The one no, I I, I um, think I might have watched it one time. I can't remember. I'm sure it's uh, on the Steam store page, but. It's got a lot of characters narrating what's going on. I assume it's lines of dialogue from the game, but this song, oh, the song they picked, which is it was amazing. Like, oh, I should that reminds me. I should tell you there one thing that's cool about it is there's tons of licensed music in the game, and you unlock the songs by stealing them from like cassette players and enemy bases yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go through three rooms I don't have to dodging all these guys to get the cassette. I'm like, oh, because when you get it, then you can play it at any time on your headset and stuff. Cool. And it's um, and, and there's a lot of good licensed music, like really well picked stuff. Stuff that I'm like, oh, I know that song, but. I, I never I never used to listen to it. Like it's not overplayed classics. Anyway, really really good music selection in that game. All right. Um, well, so, I'm sure we're gonna hear more about it next week. So let's yeah, put a bow on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please stop there. me now. Uh, what are you playing? Um, well, you know, same old deal. Heroes of the Storm. Um, notably, this week I did put some effort into ranking up in Hero League. And God is high. this is not if you don't play Heroes, you're not gonna understand this. But I got as high as rank five. The highest is rank one. Damn. So per- I What's got the lowest rank? 50. 30? 50 50 so like i've climbed pretty high and then i got too close to the sun i've sort of slid back down to nine but um the change in rank is fairly quick uh you don't spend a lot of time at one particular rank it's like maybe three matches per rank win or lose so uh, yeah you know i'm getting better one slide and fall down easy is what you're saying yeah but i'm getting better at you know the higher competitive level of the game which is sort of a new aspect in the way that i've been feeling challenged um, I have a question about yeah. that. Um, the uh, In Rocket League, uh, which I've been playing competitively or whatever, and I'm pretty much always in, in the same sort of bronze tier. Um, in Rocket League, I'm on a team of three versus three. So my skills are – like I can have a really good game. But if I'm paired with two noobs and they're not holding their ends and that the other team is generally decent, like they'll beat – I could score four goals and we could lose five to four, okay? And and, and, um, and then I get demoted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. my team yeah. lost. My yeah. team lost. So like I guess my question is if you're not playing with the same guys like in moving up together or whatever, do you get paired with random people and like does your individual performance affect you going up and down or is it yeah, the no, team? Yeah, no, I'm I'm playing solo queue just like you. Like there's two there's two queues. There's team league, which is like five five v five teams. And there's solo queue, which is you can either play solo or duo with one friend. Mm-hmm. Um but each team has a team of five, so my recent like I can't be that bad that I got up to rank five and then lost a bunch of games in a row. I've had some really big stinkers as teammates, specifically Sunday. Really good day Friday and Saturday playing and 
So if you lose as a team, you go down as a team. Like, oh, even, yeah. No yeah. matter what your performance yeah. was individually. Yeah. If I get, you know, sometimes people do log in and be like, what's up, N-words? Let's do this. And, and like, they just pick a complete troll pick and they screw around and just throw the game. Then that's And then that affects your rating. Yeah. That sucks. That's life of solo queue. In the long run, I've been showing positive results, but I'm by no means... At the level I'm at now, I'm by no means, you know, ripping on fools. The competition's no slouch at that point. So it's slower. But, um, you know, my goal, considering I, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about that game being part of that game, I want to get to rank one in Hero League before season one starts. I'd like in the preseason to get to rank one. So I'm working on that. It's uh, two steps forward, one step back kind of deal. And um, the other thing I did was I started watching Firefly, which I know is not a video game, but it's, you know. Whatever. It's it's a, it's, it's, a, it's nerd, nerd, culture, cred, nerd culture extraordinaire. Um, I'm always like, why do people like the show that's like one season and got canceled? And um, I finally checked out the first episode. And I got to say, I really liked the part where that guy was blah, blah, blahing. He took a Wait, hostage. I didn't make question. Question, yeah. and this is very important for Firefly fans. When you see the first episode, what happened in that episode? It's called Serenity. It's like it feels like a pilot. Like it's an hour and a half long. Is it the one where they get the ship? Or like or sorry, where they where they all meet each other and that I, sort of stuff? I think so, because like um there's that character played by Summer Glau, I guess they find in yeah. a, a cryo chamber. Like there's it's like the 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 shepherd yeah. hitches, hitches okay. a ride, and they go to they go to a woman named Patience, and they have a shootout. Perfect, good. I think you saw the actual first episode. The reason I asked that question is when the DVD was released to that show. First of all, the when it aired on Fox originally, they they didn't air the first episode first. Oh. They aired they aired like the second episode or third episode first, and when they put them on the DVD, they put them in the order that they aired. So the first episode is not, in fact, the first episode. Uh, and it's, it's also not the, – the first one that's on the DVD is also not one of the best episodes. So I remember after watching the first one not being overly – I'm like, why is everybody talking about this? And honestly, it will be at the end of the season. Having looked back at it, you'll be like, no, that was a really fun – that was a really fun show. You'll you'll – You'll get into it, and you'll you'll. Uh, it's it has had a little bit of an obsessive level of fandom, but it's just um, it, it it captures a lot of, of of what was most appealing about Star Wars, uh, the the original trilogy, and you'll see that more as it sort of goes on. I find. Yeah, it's got a it's got a Star Wars slash I find Starcraft vibe to it, like. It's oh, yeah. the, it's I the, could see that. It's the smuggler. Like, it's the Han Solo. You know, he's a Han Solo-type character. He's a he, smuggler. Yes. He's dashing and roguish. But but he, he definitely seems like he's a little bit more um, morally centered. Like, he, he's... He puts on a good show about being a you know a smuggler, but he's really sort of a good person type deal. A softy at heart. A softy and a military guy, like all those things. We're like, you know... I feel like Han is definitely way more roguish and way more prone to bad behavior than than him. I've only seen one episode, so. You're not wrong, I would say. You're not wrong. But that doesn't make it bad. But the reason I say StarCraft is that, like, while Star Wars, he's roguish, this has the Western, like, there there are 
slide guitars and western music there's like a scene with a spaceship and horses like they definitely embrace space western here which That's is right. kind of like um the Terrans in Starcraft are basically space hillbillies that you know Rainer talks with an accent and so does Tychus and all those guys from that so it's sort of it's got shades of that going on more so for me I would say that Starcraft really started with that a lot more in the second Starcraft 2 the I I don't recall the first one being so westernized but I definitely agree with like as soon as I started playing Starcraft 2 and like Rainer sitting in some sort of dive bar at the beginning and he you know like I I it definitely had that sort of western sci-fi feel I would say that Star, Firefly nailed it uh, earlier than um then like they were on the, the 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 cusp of a trend. It's funny too because like I'd have to watch it again, but I wonder, I'm sure the special effects have aged horribly. Yeah, they're not great, but that's not that's not what won me over. Honestly, what won me over is there's this guy who takes a hostage. He's he's there to get Summer Glow back. Works for the Alliance or something. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And there's a standoff with him pointing a gun at her head. And the doctor guy's like trying, holding a gun. And he, having just come back from a gunfight in a pretty shitty day, Nathan Fillion walks onto the ship and just shoots him in the head. <laughs> like everyone's all tense. And he's like, I'm going to shoot her. And he just like picks up his gun. At, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's pretty badass. Like, he's just like, oh my God, shut the. F-. Like, he doesn't even say anything. That's how irritating. Like, that's how low on the priority poll for this character is um, that he just shoots him. And then they take his, <laughs> he take his body and just throw him off the ship. Like, it's really it was really funny. I that was my favorite moment of the whole thing was you know. I I will admit that I've only seen Firefly the one time and I would be a you know, I own the DVD and I'm I'm sure it's on Netflix eight times over. Actually, you know what? Netflix did one one April Fool's Day to troll people who are really into Firefly. They put the new episodes heading, you know, when there's new episodes on Netflix oh, and they Oh, what a bunch of bastards. <laughs> yeah, they put that under Firefly and then a bunch of people freaked out, but obviously there was no new episodes. I thought that was that's, pretty That's going to be heartbreaking cuz if I like this thing too and there's only one season of it. Mm. There's also a movie, a picture film actually went into theaters. I have the Blu-ray. It's called – the movie is called Serenity. Um, and uh, so after that, there is some sort of resolu- resolution. And for all the people who are calling for it to be – there's still people calling for it to be brought back. Mm-hmm. I I always sort of say like, you know, we're past the point of bringing that back. You you'd want to just like get, get something new entirely. Well, you say um, that. Or something – you say that, but well, I, yeah. I, you know we need to move on probably to another part of the show because it's not about television shows. But I've also seen Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh yeah, that's right. And that and good? it's geriatric Ash. Like he's old. <laughs> it's and it's awesome. It's not. It's not a bad thing in this case. So, it's funny. You know. A lot of people have said that too. That that show. That that's awesome. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's um, it's crappy. Like there's nothing. There's nothing. The continuity's all over the place. The the special effects are campy, and it's great. And the TV show feels like a TV show version it's of the movie. movie, and it's all over the place too. But it's great because there's blood everywhere, and and you know, um, Ash's big dream. You know the, how he gets manipulated by demons and stuff. It's like. Um, isn't your dream to go to Jacksonville, Florida? <laughs> and he's like, oh, Jacksonville. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good fishing there. Good people. 
That's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Because they really, like, they set up to show at the beginning, it's not spoilers, that, you know, because of all that's happened to him, he, he he's poor. He, he works at um, S-Smart or whatever. And lives Still in a, working at S. Yeah, like he, you know, he works at a shitty department store and lives in a trailer park. Like he's got nothing. Like it's super hilarious. So like Jacksonville's the big dream for him. Um, it's great, man. Ho- it's super funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I'll just add but before we move on. One of the games I got for Christmas, I want to briefly mention, but I'm going to talk about more. I had to determine which game to sort of like focus on between the Metal Gear. And the fact that a portable game was able to get my attention this much was pretty impressive. It's called Fire Emblem Awakening, and it came out, I want to say, two, three years ago for the Nintendo 3DS. And it's a turn-based strategy of the sort of XCOM-ish variety, mm-hmm. uh, Advance Wars, that sort of stuff. And it is... Uh, it's pretty funny because, like, I guess Fire Emblem is a series that has a fairly loyal fan base, and I think I played one once before. But it it can be uh, absolutely merciless, and uh, I played it. I I first started playing it on um, on classic mode, and classic mode uh, means when, except for the main character, your avatar that you create, and one other character. If any other of the characters die, they they're dead and you've lost them forever. And they could be your best fighter. They could be you know tons of level. It's like an XCOM when a guy when a guy dies, you know, in a mission that yeah, he's, he's just dead. He, There's no immortality in the world of XCOM. Right. So th- this is like that, except for one major difference. Okay. Phoenix down. Major. Phoenix down. Pardon? There are Phoenix downs. No, no, no. Wow. They're dead. They're dead. The difference is that in XCOM, all any sort of emotional attachment that you have to a character is is through uh, any is through their performance. Like and and if you create a story in your head associated, oh, this guy is like my my lead sniper. You know, I love him so much. He's got all of my major kit. He's in the back. You know, maybe you name him after your best buddy because you can change their names in XCOM. Like that, that's the sort of emotional attachment. You know, oh no, boo just went down. Oh my god, I gotta re- reload, restart this mission. Um, in Fire Emblem, all the characters have personalities and stories. Okay, like ridiculous. It's not like FTL where they're nondescript or no. XCOM. They are it's... they are very descript and and honestly, like it leads me to wonder. Like there are many situations where I think to myself, what if this character was dead? What would have happened here? You know, like they have they're... an impact on the narrative. Besides, yeah. Uh, oh, they must. Like some of the narrative must unfold totally differently. All the cutscenes, like there are tons of cutscenes, and like I just I don't know. What so the would, characters just die permanently, and you can they, continue without them. And you continue without them, and the story rewrites itself accordingly. Except you would just re, you would load a save, right? Like, isn't that well, how you avoid them dying ever? Well, they, that's right. You would reload. You would reload. You would quit the game, reload the save, and start. Or you know, that's of course that's what you would do. Except unlike XCOM, where it was pretty easy to keep your guys from dying, except in unfortunate circumstances. In this game, they die like they die all the time. So hmm. and uh, 
it's very hard to get through any single mission without one of your guys going down. Like they're going to go down and you can't bring them back. Um, so I, I immediately, when I realized how difficult it was, I started the game over, turned off classic mode, uh, and went, went in like, I, I'm playing on hard, but hard casual mode or like it. So, so when the, now when the guys go down, they go down for the fight and I get them next, I get them back at the end of the fight. And oh, so they're not okay. written out of the story anymore, which is great. Um, but still, there's it's hugely punishing because if your guys keep going down, say they, they die early in a fight, well, then they don't level up. And so it's like an XCOM. Like if your guys go uh, – it's like in a game like this where your, your guys go down, they get – you get XP for every little thing you do. So if I attack a guy, if I heal someone or whatever, your guys can level pretty fast. But if they die within like two moves at the beginning of the fight – which happens often, then they don't level up. And then eventually you have guys that are heavy hitters and then you have wieners that you would like them to be better because you'll get to some missions where you can play more guys and then you'll have a bunch of wieners on your team, you know? So it's it's pretty fun though. It's really fun. The story is like decent. It's JRPG type fair. But like – and at one point, and this is a big catch, like you can pair your guys together and the – if you pair guys and girls and stuff together, they can fall in love and then they can have kids and then you can recruit their kids to join your team eventually. Supposedly, I'm not that far yet and I really don't understand how it's going to work because like, I mean, there's romances that will develop between characters, but to make that happen, you have to pair them together often, have them work together. And like, I mean, there's so many options and so much scripting because it's all stories and each character, as I said, has a distinct personality. They're not blank slates or even mm-hmm. types. They're real. They're like people, characters. So anyway, it's pretty wicked. That sounds really interesting. So this is on 3DS? You can't get it? Yeah. You can't play it anywhere else? No, it's a it's a it's a three DS game. Yeah, it's um it, it, and look on look you can look at the reviews for Fire Emblem Awakening. It's pretty awesome. It's got like you can download extra maps on DLC, but there's a ton of like side quests and 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 uh, loot. Like this is a game when I'm playing, I'm like Bo would like this game. You know, there's some games where you're like this person would like this game, and and, and for me, this is one that you would uh, you would really like. It, it, it's also the art style tra- goes very well with the limitations of the hardware. And so uh, I got it with the idea that I was going to be traveling a lot during the holidays. But at the end, I didn't travel that much. And so I was sitting on my couch with a PS4 and like my supercomputer and everything attached. And I'd often be lying on my couch playing my 3DS because that game was so uh, so interesting. But at one point, alternating between it and Metal Gear – I just decided, you know, I'm going to focus on Metal Gear for now and go back to that afterwards. So, well, this sounds interesting considering I did catch a bit of this um, game actually in my recommendation that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, watching speed runs of this game, uh, Fire Emblem. Yeah, Fire Emblem. I don't remember which one because apparently there's a lot of them. So I don't know yes, if this is the same one is. as the one you played or not. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I actually. If I hadn't watched this on Games Done Quick, I would have not known what you're talking about. But I've seen a bit of this, so it sounds so, interesting. This game, I want to try it. <laughs> what, what, what? What's our next segment? I think it's. Um, 
I think it's a dialogue tree. We haven't done one of them for a while, Bo. Uh, maybe we should break it out. All right, or uh, chop it down, as it were, since it's a tree, and trees get chopped down. Well, they grow, but then they get chopped down. That's true. Um, you guys get one. If only we had some sort of sound effect to, to to capture that. The sound effect is being elusive, Crofton. There we go. I got it. Cut that tree. Now that's one fine dialogue tree. All right. So, uh, did you say that I have wood? Yeah. Dude, dialogue tree. The dad jokes are strong with you. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Um, so this, this week, I, I suggested this topic. It's the, uh, we talked about like the game awards fairly recently on the show, but pretty much now we're into 2016, 2015's behind us, the rear view mirror. Uh, and it's generally a time where people take stock of the year in games. And a lot of people have been saying that 2015 is um, one of those banner years in video games. And, and I think of 20, 2007, which was the, the year of the first Assassin's Creed, Bioshock, um, and uh, Ma- first Mass Effect, all this sort of stuff. A lot of people talk about uh, 19, I think 1999 as a banner year in video games. But this this one, 2015, was uh, a lot of people were saying it was a, it was a big year. And um, the Game of the Year awards, the different websites run, different magazines run, uh, were fairly competitive with lots of good titles uh, sticking out. 2014 was a crappy year in video games. I've said that many times on this show. I feel like a lot of the games that came out this year would have won Game of the Year if they came out a, a year earlier. Uh, and so uh, it, it's kind of kind of interesting. Bo, for you, I think I already know this the answer to this question. But uh, what was the your favorite video game that you played in 2015? It doesn't have to be a 2015 release, I guess. But what was your favorite game of 2015? Well, I got into the beta in 2015. The game released in 2015. It's Heroes of the Storm. You know what the game is. You've heard me talking about it. I do a show. I'm sort of obsessed with it. But I would like to point this out. This is the strength of 2015 in games. Like, Heroes of the Storm is not, you know, rightly or wrongly, not cracking many top 10 lists in terms of the top 10 games of 2015. Yet, I know not just you, but other people who are absolutely obsessed and, and with the game and think that it's an amazing game. This is a, a game, this is a year where StarCraft, um, release the third part of its its trilogy to barely a, a blip on the meter but everybody says that game is good i mean it's just it's just there's been such a wealth of riches that that these games are 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 are, are sometimes getting overlooked you've touted the heroes of the storm a horn loud and proudly and i think i think that it just goes to show you like whereas in the previous year hearthstone was a legitimate contender for game of the year i think if 20 15 was like 2014 heroes would have been a legitimate contender for game of the year um it it just so happens that it was a crazy year there were a lot of interesting games released this year that you know i think i probably haven't taken the time yet to play because my time's been obsessed with other ones but you know it's also a year where we saw rocket league like rocket league was a really strong release 
I think. But you you know what it is interesting to me about Rocket League is like for many of the early episodes of this show, I kept saying over and over what my most anticipated game of 2015 was. Okay, it was Batman Arkham Knight. When the year there was this was a, a year where a lot of games that were delayed were finally released. Games like Metal Gear Solid Five delayed over and over again, and finally they were released in 2015. And the one that I was looking the most forward to was the new Batman game, based on the strength of its pedigree. Now, Rocket League was a game that I could not have cared at all about. Like there is nothing exciting to me about Rocket League. I had. I'd seen maybe little articles here or there about it, but man, that was the surprise of the year for me. I am still playing that game nightly. The Witcher 3. No, Rocket League. Rocket League. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, Rocket League is like, it's the sleeper hit of the year. Like, this wasn't a game where people were like, oh my God, guess what? There's a soccer game with racing cars and it. Like, no, no one saw this coming. It came out of nowhere. All of a sudden on Twitch, it was like the top streamed game. On its release date for a and long I think it speaks to a desire for these sports arcadey sports games that used to be at, like you had your NHL hits, your NBA Jam, you had all these like crazy sports Mario Kart, all this sort of stuff. But this found that sweet spot where it found this arcadiness, but it also found like a balance, a competitive balance. Which in the the new era of esports, people are interested in. So you've got your arcade craziness, um, and you got your balance because not everybody wants these dry sports simulator games like NHL and FIFA. Like you have, they have their fans, but they're not getting outside audiences like Rocket League is. You know, so no, definitely 2015 big year for Rocket League. Um, it's legitimately, it's my second game of the year. Like for me. Uh, my game of the year is is The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. No surprise. No. Okay. No surprise. If you've listened to this show at all, a zero surprise. I'm not going to go over why The Witcher Three is so amazing. What I want to talk a little bit about, though, is is um the whole game of the year process because I honestly was scared that a lot of these places were going to Witcher Three. It, when it came out and when I started playing it, there's rarely a time when you're playing a game that that's that's going to be one of your favorite games of all time that you actually identify that fact while you're playing it. You're playing it and you're like, you know what? This is one of my favorite games of all time. That rarely happens. It happened to me maybe with the original Planet Side, uh, but a, normally it's games that you think about way down the road. You're like, that was an awesome game. Um, I really enjoyed that game. That was one of my top games of all time. Uh, but for me, The Witcher Three. When I was playing it, I was like, "This is this is one of my favorite games of all time. It's crazy good." It, but then, as other games were released, I felt it wasn't getting its proper due, and people were like, "Oh, Metal Gear's coming out. Oh, Fallout's going to come out for sure. Going to be the game of the year, and everything else is going to be um, on the wayside." And I'm like, "Did you guys forget one of the greatest games of all time it was released earlier this year?" So I kept getting scared when the Game of the Year awards started rolling out. I'm like, "Oh my god." If people start giving it to like games that are sequels that are barely incremental improvements over previous games, and meanwhile, The Witcher Three 
it, it goes neglected, I'm going to be so sad. But in the end, I don't want to say it cleaned up on all awards, but it has done really well. Even IGN, a, a site that kept fawning over Metal Gear over and over again, I thought Metal Gear was a lock with them for Game of the Year. They gave it to The Witcher 3. I think it's hard to deny facts. Um, and The Witcher 3 is like, it is a very impressive feat of, of, of game of game making. So for me, it's Witcher Three. It's the year of Witcher Three and Rocket League. Um, I'm playing Metal Gear. Definitely has left an impression, but I, you know, it's still not. It for me, it's not up there with those two games. And I'll be playing Fallout. I'll be playing Bloodborne. I'm behind on those. A lot of people point to Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's now coming out for PC. I'll play that, I'm sure, at one point. But I played the original Tomb Raider, and unless it's late, night and day better, it's not going to – I know it's not going to be sniffing at the boots of The Witcher 3. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, uh, 2015, the game of the year reviews that are coming out or awards have validated – I guess what I thought all year, which was The Witcher Three, was the game. So I'm happy about it's that. It's a pretty close affair because before we did the show today, I did peruse a bit of the list just to get a sense of what mm-hmm. they looked like from the the bigger sites. I didn't go to every site, but you know, GameSpot, IGN, PC Gamer, Polygon. PC Gamer gave it to Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. They, so so that was they did give it, and I thought that was crazy too because it is a. You know, The Witcher is essentially first and foremost a PC game where Metal Gear Solid is, you know, first and foremost, I think, a console game, although it performs very well on PC. I think what happens, though, with a, depending on the situation, is that it's aggregate, right? Like, yeah, if, the if, if on work. your group of whatever's more people liked, I, I think between Metal Gear Solid and um, uh, Witcher that there's enough there to tip the scales one way or the other. Like I found those were often the top two, you know, however, there were some, you know, and I don't know if we want to talk about some of the other notables because these are games potentially that should go on our shopping list. But I saw her story in a couple of places also made out like a bandit at the, the video game awards that well, game. it got two awards, right? Well, like, I mean, I don't want to, and it, it did win. It did win. Um, uh, what was it? Polygon's Game of the Year award, and I own her story, and I don't want to. I don't want to come down uh, too hard on it because I haven't played it yet. But like honestly, the again comparing it to The Witcher Three, um, I would be very impressed if uh, like I love those those bite sized experiences like gone home i played journey this year for the first time like they're very impactful but but in her story is like that it's like an investigative game it lasts for a couple of hours or whatever and it leaves a big impression i get that but there's no way it's gonna like it's gonna surpass the witcher 3 and i think they're trying to make a statement and that's fine but like you know I, for me it makes me think less of their uh, of their system they're they're not taking it seriously like well, i'm sorry when you think of achievements in gaming like these big crews these giant triple a titles you know they they're not agile in the way a small developer can be so could make a great experience but they're never gonna realize a game on the scope of a big developer which is if you can get both a game that is rich in narrative and in experience and also has a large scope that should win out even if you want to give big credit to an indie developer. 
Because so they're like, all they're, yeah. they should be measured on the same scale. If you're just saying games, like there's no way an indie developer can develop a game that has the scope of a AAA title done right, done incredible. Which to all for by all accounts, it sounds like Witcher Three succeeded here. So, so you've got like you've got the Game Awards, you've got GameSpot, you got IGN, uh, you've got uh, the Golden Joysticks, you've got. Uh, uh, now the Writing Guild Awards for video games were just the nominees are just out, and everybody knows that the Witcher's going to likely win that as well. Like I mean, it is just it is just uh, it, it is just racking up the awards, and I, I think CD Projekt Red put out a, um, a piece of advertisement that was like Game of the Year awards, and it listed all the ones won by it, by Metal Gear Solid, by Bloodborne, and all that sort of stuff. And in the end, it was like a hundred plus game of the years went to the witcher three and then like 15 went to metal gear solid five and and i could i see i could see why people get on board with metal gear solid five like i talked about the emergent gameplay and i i I think that's a big thing but i do think the witcher has a lot of that too uh there's many ways you can sort of approach problems in the witcher three and like just in terms of the quality of storytelling and content like it you know, it can't, for me, it can't be touched. So, I I feel like um, I feel I feel like spoil. I feel spoiled by it. Honestly, I do. And and I feel like there's nothing that's going to come out in 2016 that's going to touch it, except for maybe an expansion for it, which is there's a big expansion coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but I do think that I, I'm I'm more Rocket League has taught me this year to be open to surprises. So. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm. I'm gonna hope that a game's gonna come out this year that's gonna blow my socks off. Something that I'm not anticipating. Something that's just gonna like, you know, sneak up on me, and I'll be like, "Wow, that is an amazing experience." Yeah, we're always hoping for that. Um, and but, and this know. is the year of VR, which is like, if I make it through this entire year without buying an Oculus Rift, that will be impressive. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I'm going to cave sometime during the year. And I think that there's going to be some experiences that I've never had before in my life. And, um, I, you know, 2016 could very well surprise me. Fingers crossed for the VR aspect. Um, but yeah, I, it, one of the things that jumped out of about a lot of these lists is like I've played none of these games except Rocket League. <laughs> Rocket League's the only one I've played. Um, so I have a big shopping list ne- next year when all these great games go on sale next year, and I have a nice little lump sum to drop on a big pile of games. Like say the next Steam sale, I'm gonna have tons of things to do. Um, so I'm looking the, forward to that. The other thing, Bo, is it's it was really the it, 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 the year of it. A resurgence in these giant single-player open-world games, like the fact that Metal Gear Solid Five, Fallout Four, and um, and uh, The Witcher Three came out the same year. Much less ignoring Grand Theft Auto Five, which came out on the PC at the beginning of the year. Like you have these ginormous games, mo- hundreds of hours of gaming um, for for single players. And and for a while, I was thinking that this was losing its luster uh bloodborne's another huge they have multiplayer elements but they're they're not necessarily designed for that meanwhile on the other side of that coin in the same year you have games like rocket league heroes of the storm um there's some other multiplayer huge multiplayer games that have come out this year um, uh, 
I, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, Evolve, Star Wars Battlefront. These are like giant yeah. games. Destiny. Destiny was a game that hit big. Destiny, the Taken King people say. Last Expansion 2, which was a big, you know, it's a hit among StarCraft players anyways. Exactly. So, like, there, there is, it has been a year of, but it's almost been a year of extremes. Because where it used to be, you'd have a game that focused on one thing. Uh, uh, sorry, that focused, tried to be a jack of all trades. Like, we have a multiplayer suite. We have a campaign. We're, you know, we're Call of Duty. You got your six-hour campaign. You got your multiplayer suite. You got your zombies. You know, games would try this now it's like you know what we have no campaign this is all multiplayer you're going to be playing uh, you know monster hunters in evolve or you're going to be playing star wars uh in um, star wars battlefront like there's it's entirely multiplayer and then meanwhile you have games like witcher 3 who are like you know what we don't need a multiplayer component we're going entirely detailed single player uh world so it is I kind of like that in a way because you can choose your experiences and you don't have like a diluted experience. As much as the invading base things in Metal Gear is kind of interesting I mentioned earlier, it's also kind of annoying. It's like an encroachment in my single player experience, you know? So um, I game the, the big triple A's are confused about that. They want to give you replay value. They want to do everything right. They want to hit all those notes, like have a multiplayer component, have a collection component and have random whatever, you know, like, and it's like, they should really, I think games are better served sticking to the one thing they're trying to do. Right. Like in the case of metal gear solid, like it's a single player campaign like that to me, that would be why I'd want to play it. That's the core yeah. design philosophy for the game. So Any, I don't know, but, but lots of great games. I wanted to talk about this because we're talking about game of the year, but, but you mentioned that there, I don't know what you're looking forward to next year. You want to be surprised. There's some great stuff. 2016, forget VR. There may actually just be better games on the way next year. Really? This year. What are a few of them? Okay, so um, Mafia 3, apparently. And uh, I know you're see, a big Mafia fan, so I'm just here, like... Here's Mafia the thing. Is, just my, my impression on Mafia 3, I am very excited because I am a huge Mafia fan. But Mafia 3 might be the Batman Arkham Knight. Like, I may enjoy it. I may be hyped for it. But really, like... I may have moved on in maturity to or demanding better things. So I, I'm prepared to <laughs> be disappointed. Mafia 3. It isn't Witcher 3. This sucks. I mean. I, I, I pre- I'm yeah. prepared to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, okay. But, but there's more. There's more. Yeah. It's not, that going. wasn't the end of the list. I just yeah, mentioned yeah. X. I know you like Mafia. I'm commenting. Uncharted 4. No, you're a big Uncharted fan. Uncharted yes, Four, and that one, that one is a, a a no-brainer for me. I get it on. I'm gonna get it on PS4 probably day one. It's fairly short gameplay experience, but once, but I know what I'm gonna get. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be great, but it's not gonna be. I'm sure by the end of the year, it's not gonna be my like game of the year or anything. Okay. Keep all right. I'm gonna keep going. I, I got yeah, more. Keep going, All right. Mirror's Edge Catalyst, and I bring this up because of the VR implications that this game brings. Even without the VR, I'm interested in this game. Sure. I liked Mirror's Edge, but I didn't love it. But maybe uh, I didn't appreciate it. But no, Same as you. I, the, I liked it, but didn't love it. This could be the game that pushes me into loving it. Yeah. I think if they've taken the game and refined it. And like the VR, for me, will be a big selling point. If this game gets VR, I already know what it's like. And I think it'd be really fun in VR to, to be jumping over skyscrapers and stuff. And I know so. you don't like open worlds and stuff, but it really appeals to me in the world of Mirror's Edge to be able to pick my... my my roots and stuff like that so it's an open world i like that cool all right um well you know street fighter 5 if you're into fighters 
But yeah, no, I'm not. Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Oh man, huge game nerd boner that I've got from just even the seeing a screenshot of this game. Uh, I I am really excited for Deus Ex Mankind Divided. I think that it'll be a really good game. I think that it'll be more of Deus Ex Human Revolution, which is not a bad thing. But again, stuff has happened since that game came out that affects like even Metal Gear Solid Five. The, the freedom of choice that that give, game gives you is a lot more freeform than what Deus Ex gives you. So anyway, I'm hoping I, I haven't been spoiled. But I am interested in the story in Deus Ex all, it, much more than I was in Metal Gear Solid. So hopefully uh, Deus Ex, uh, it's, it's probably number one. Of the games you've listed thus far, is probably number one on most anticipated. Okay, also New Doom looks great. I'm interested. I'm interested in the New Doom. That's a game that could like I have zero interest. So that's a game that could potentially surprise me. Yeah, it it looks really good. We'll have to see. You know that one. I think there's a lot of trepidation with it because um, it could just be a failure. We're it's an unknown. I think uh, yeah. new Final Fantasy looks amazing. Could could go either way, good or bad. But it Again, looks really good. Uh, yeah, they have been burned so much by Square recently. I'm not too. Uh... Uh, no Man's Sky. Um, that that could go either way, but still exciting prospects. Exciting prospect. Yeah. Possibly super interesting. Possibly 15 minutes and then I'm done. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn also looks fantastic. Okay, that's the one that um, that's PlayStation exclusive with the robot dinosaurs, right? That's right. Okay, that's that one. I I because it's a new IP. I reserved the right to like. <laughs> it looked this, good though. The trailer was like hype. No, at the what I'm saying is at the end of next year, that's possibly the one that I'm talking about when we're talking game of the year. I, I I'm willing to make that call now because I know what Deus Ex is. I know what Mirror's Edge is. I know what a lot of these are, but I don't know what that is. So that has the ability to surprise. Oh, it looks fantastic. Yeah, um, I think so too. Uh, the Last Guardian also. I think isn't that a re-release? No, the Last Guardian is the is um, the next game following the Shadows of Colossus, Ico yeah. developers. Uh, but it's been sort of long in gestation, and uh, I'm I'm skeptical as best. And while I find those games precious, I don't necessarily like. It's funny because we talked. I talked earlier about power fantasies. In many ways, they're the anti-power fantasy. You're often a a, a weak character. Uh, but it's funny, and I know the hypocrisy. I find myself less interested in those games. Yeah, but they're uh, well done. This could be, you know. I don't know. I'm sure it could, could be, be great. Good. All right, let me. There's a lot left in this list. I just want to prove you wrong that 2016 is going to be great. No, I know you're. But just bear in mind that a lot of those could potentially be um, postponed to 2017. That's true. Uh, all right. One that I'm pretty sure won't be is Overwatch. That's coming out next year. And that game's fun. Having played it, I know you're going to, like, of anything, this one games, game will be fun. Of all the Blizzard know. games that have come out in the past few years, this is the one I have the most anticipation for. Yeah. Maybe because it's a new IP, intellectual property. But, yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you. But it's fun. It, it's like, it's, you know, it's fun. Just trust yeah, me. Yeah, I believe you. Um, there's a new Fire Emblem, so if it turns out you really dig Fire Emblem, it's funny because I know I know that, and I was like, <laughs> oh man, that's uh, yeah. Dishonored Two yeah. is coming. Um, some game called Firewatch, which is a that's coming game. soon in January. Yeah. I'm interested, but I'm gonna have such a backlog of games to get through lately. So new Mass Effect, that which could easily get pushed. There's no way that comes Mass out Effect year. Andromeda, um, the new Hitman game. X- I have zero interest in him. XCOM 2. Uh, I'm so interested in XCOM 2. 
I love the first. Actually, I think I might need to install it. I still haven't played it with the expansion pack. I might I'm not wanna... sure if I'm that like I, I like XCOM, but I'm I'm playing Fire Emblem right now. It's scratching my itch. I don't know if I need it in my life immediately, but, but uh, keep going. Your, all right, um, the new Warcraft expansion's coming out. If that's your thing, it's nope. Legion, but uh, Persona Five. It's a big franchise. I don't know if you're into that one, but. No, but uh, uh, I haven't played any of the Personas, but I know for some people that'll be like the biggest game of the year. And apparently there's some Legend of Zelda in development. Right. That'll probably be this year. Uh, and interesting enough, and we haven't talked about it much for 2016, but the tw- the Nintendo will have a new console announcement. It'll be interesting to see what that is. Hmm. Um, so, because uh, I I really would like a Nintendo home console, but I just don't see the point of shelling up for a Wii U when it's a dying console right now. So I'm, I'm willing to wait, and I feel like the the Zelda game is going to come out on the Wii U, and it's going to come out on what the next console is at the same time. That's exactly what happened with Twilight Princess, and I feel that they're they're going to repeat that uh, again because they don't want to burn the people who bought Wii U's and are expecting Zeldas, but they know that like the people buying if they have a new zelda they, they've got to release it on the new system to sell so uh i feel it's for sure coming out this year probably bundled with the new system well lots of great stuff uh, there's, uh, sure there's what, more Bo? things than what's on that list but you, you 2015 succeeded. was good but 2016 might just be as good you succeeded in getting me stoked for the next year <laughs> so i i appreciate that Oh, I well, never asked to talk this. about. All right, well, um, that'll conclude. We've picked our games of the year. For me, it's Heroes of the Storm for Croft, and it's Witcher Three. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't, you are wasn't... definitely not mistaken because yeah. you talked a lot about Rocket League, which is deserved. But um, yeah, uh, those are the games of the year. And um, I don't know. I kind of like the. We, we didn't. We're not really going to talk about it too much because we did rail a lot on award shows on one episode that we did. I kind of like game of, game of the year discussions. Like it's not too official. If you look at all the different sites, the rankings are different. But what I like about it in the broad strokes is just that it gives you a nice shopping list. If you're someone like me who hasn't, you know, who, who waits a bit to pick up games, doesn't buy all of them on launch unless they really like them, it's nice to see what the top titles are because when they go on sale or whatever, then they'll, I'll give them extra consideration when I'm trying new things. It does, and, and hype gets to us all, and honestly, like, uh, I told you I was done with Metal Gear Solid, and yet here I find myself playing another Metal Gear Solid game. I, I think at the end of the year, um, I look at those lists as well to fill sort of the holes where I'm like, I, I as a game sort of connoisseur, if you will, I want to play, play these games, and uh, and I, I like them for that reason as well. So in a way, I like when, when games like Her Story are highlighted. Um, I for me, I just feel that The Witcher Three was such a landmark game this year that it's here, and every, every other game is is sort of underneath it. And um, I I I want everybody to sort of play it, but it requires such a time investment that I realize that that's not realistic. Where a game like Rocket League is is really much more palatable. So what's cool is that there's games for everyone's taste, and people are able to do research and 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 decide how they want to invest their time. Uh, now more than ever which i think is pretty sweet so yeah we're on the same page there all right all right so, so uh let's speaking oh, you, of pages let's turn the one into our uh close to final segment of the show and i tell you we came back with a long episode but i think a good one let's do it bo inventory management there we go 
Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. Welcome to Inventory Management, where we answer the question. Crofton, what is the question? The question, as always, Bo, it was the question of 2015, and now it's the question of 2016. Do you spend your cash, or is it just vendor trash? Um, yeah. So, Bo, do you have a recommendation for or against? What are you telling this is, people to... Tr- this is going to be for, but you don't have to spend any money on it. Just give your time. And it's not a video game, but it is definitely video game related. This past week has marked the, I guess what I've just learned about, the Games Done Quick celebration um, that they have every year to raise money on Twitch. I'm not quite sure where it's done, but it's a 24-hour stream, so there's people playing all day and all night, and it's speed runs of games by, quote, professional, end quote, speedrunners. Um, and this was really fascinating. I had this up, the stream up while I was doing other things and it was really enjoyable. Coincidentally, one of the games streamed was a speed run of fire emblem. That's, and I just, I just get a kick that we're, you're playing it or you know talking well, about it. Cause I'm like, what is this game? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it seems like a difficult game to speed run as well. Uh, what, what's sped is, run um, in like under two hours? What is the, um, the, the appeal of watching? So so a lot of the games are games, um, NES games, Super NES games, old PC games. Like these are classics that I can watch someone play that sort of ring that nostalgia bone without actually having to spend, you know, the ungodly dozens, if not hundreds of hours of some of these games playing it myself. You know, like I'm like if I'm playing Heroes, wow. I don't know if you caught that sound with the giant truck driving down the road. Um, the appeal is, like, I'll be playing Heroes of the Storm, for example, and I'll keep that stream open on the second monitor. Um, just if there's downtime between matches, I like watching it. And, um, you know, I watched uh, Secret... Remember Secret of Mana? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to play that game again. I know it took, it's like dozens of hours. Like if I was, it's to play funny because it. I sometimes like there's an iOS version, and I'm always like yeah. I have fond memories, and you can play that game three players at once and stuff. And I've always I, I always thought it'd be super fun to have like three friends on the couch playing Secret of Mana. Anyway. That, that might be fun. It's just it's a longer game, so it was yeah, it's it kind is, of appealing to watch someone be like beat this game that it took you 60 hours to play in under two hours. Like these speed runs are ridiculous. And keeping in mind that speed, I think the rules for speed running is that if there are in-game glitches, like you, if there are exploits you can do without requiring third-party software, then it's game. I know when they did the, there's a Diablo one run that took under half an hour to finish that game. And there's like, he was item duping in the game. Like, you know, like, as long as long as it's um, not some sort of pre-programmed exploit, where like you can't use God mode in a game if it's like in there, but like yeah, yeah. if you can bug something out or glitch it, then that's okay. Like if you there's a secret teleport through walls that shortcuts the game, that's fine. That's in the game as published. So yeah, yeah, you know. So it's really cool to see these like incredible speedruns, games that take you a really long time that people are able to do in under two hours. Like most cases, some under. An hour. Um, what was one of the? Oh, I watched um, a Zelda game actually, a Game Boy game. Someone do that in like thirty minutes, and it's like Link's Awakening. I think so, or Oracle the other of one. Ages? I think it's Oracle of, of Ages. There was time travel in it. I okay. think it's Oracle of Ages. Um, 
which I feel like I played, but I it was just I didn't I didn't play either Oracle of Ages or Seasons. They were both developed by Capcom for yeah. Nintendo, and they uh, they're supposedly really good Zelda portable Zelda games. But I missed them both. Yeah, it's just it's fun to watch how they're just like okay, now I have to stand here and do this specific timing. Now I have to, like. It's like they've played the game over hundreds of times, and they, they know probably have. They they they're researching. It's fascinating as a game player to see people try and pick the sh- try and figure out the shortest time to finish a game, and just how like hilarious it is. Like I don't know. It's it's fun to watch, but it I, seems like it, wouldn't it be like ruining those games for you though? Like I you think know fun, all the tricks and everything. But and... I, I think the fun part about it is that I never play those games that way. Like yeah. Like I, when I sit down and play a game, I, I want to enjoy being immersed in the fan. Like I don't yeah, want yeah. the pressure of rushing through it just for no reason. So th- it hits a lot of notes in terms of I get to I get to see the game, the whole game, in a short amount of time. So I don't have to spend a long time watching it. It's not the kind of thing that I it would just watch that. Like I couldn't sit and just watch that. But as right, game, it's just background. But noise. as a game player, you know, you can leave the stream up on your TV while you do other things. You can check it out for ten minutes at a time. Um, and there were just playing a lot of games that I had played before and found really like, oh wow, they're doing this game now and they're doing that game. They did Final Fantasy three, or America's Final Fantasy three. You know, how long did it take them? Uh, you know? I don't know. It, it it gives you an estimate because I didn't watch the whole thing. I think yeah. it was under two and a half hours. Like. Most of the games were under two hours. If they were like RPG games that were dozens, and like they did skipping the text must be hard. Yeah, like, yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they but they had some games like they did Strider, which was under twenty minutes. Oh, and one of my favorites was um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Four: Turtles in Time on the Super NES, which was like that's got to be... sped run in under twenty minutes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's got to be a short one. Yeah, but it's fun to be like, okay, there's tricks to make the levels go by faster and stuff. Like if this like. You can make certain monsters not spawn by standing in certain places, but it was fun to just see like uh, you know pizza power and like all that crap from. <laughs> I loved that Turtles game when I got a Super Nintendo. That was the first game I had for it, and I loved playing TMNT Four. So it was it was also one of those games that where you had the graphics of the arcade in your house, and you were like, "Oh my god, the graphics!" Yeah, they so were good. actually as good as the arcade, and had yeah. actually that the, the sweet. That sweet eight bit music or whatever did it did it did it did it like it's just yeah it's great so that's my recommend I think the live streaming's all over now and so I would go to gamesdonequick.com and there you can link to the Twitch profile which they save all of the vods so you can just run a vod like you can just stream the video pause it or fast forward it and I'm sure they have a YouTube channel I didn't look into it but uh, what's really funny about this is that like. It looks like it's in a, some sort of convention center, like a like a hotel, like a small room with maybe like hundred seats or two hundred seats. They're all empty except the people in the front playing. It's re- it's really funny, but there, I was watching live. There was like seventy thousand people watching the thing. So popular on streaming, not necessarily an in attendance event. But um, <laughs> I just like I'm like don't put the seats there anymore. <laughs> like, you don't. It's just it's depressing to see an empty you know space full of empty seats it makes it feel like people don't care but yeah so that's my my, recommend my recommend is also not a game um and in in my case it's it's the gamer's arch enemy a book um (laughs) and uh i don't think it's well yeah i don't think it's it's a gamer's arch enemy but 
I think it's what you hear from people like like people who don't get video games. They would say, "Why don't you read a book instead of play video games?" Well, see, one of the things is 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 like books, TV shows, and video games operate in that leisure space, that time that we have, um, for ourselves, and you kind of have to choose one. Um, Now. Often, if you have like, if I'm watching a show on Netflix, there's a good chance that that's cutting into my video game time. Recently, I've been playing a lot of video games, so I have not been watching shows, and I'm sort of behind on TV shows. People ask about certain shows. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I've been playing these games. If you're playing, if you're reading a book, it's it's the same deal. You could fit it in here or there, but I find especially a good novel, you get into it, and it takes your it takes your um your time away. So um, because of that. People with an abundance of time may do all three, but in this case, like I have to kind of pick one, and I think a lot of gamers do, and they pick games, and therefore they read a lot less books than maybe they would otherwise like. Ready Player One is the name of the book that I'm I'm mentioning here. It came out I think in 2011. It's by Ernest Cline, and it's his first novel. It's a um, it's a story written for essentially the video game generation. It takes place mostly in what what could be conceived as a video game. It's called The Oasis. And uh, what it's about, the plot, without spoilers, really, is um, it, it's sort of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type yarn where, where um, uh, there's a, a, a billionaire who's created this, this oasis, which is where it's virtual reality. It's very much like the Oculus Rift paired with like these kinetic gloves. Everybody is sort of plugged into it. It's 2044, the future. Everybody's sort of in it. It's like the internet is interactive, but mostly people are playing games or going to school in this thing. It's called the Oasis. So the founder of it dies, and he he grew up in the you know in the 80s, and he played tons of 80s video games. He was obsessed with the 80s. And one of the things was he played this video game that it, it, it that does exist, and this this book is full of references called Adventure. And in Adventure, there, there, there was an Easter egg where you could find the developer's name because at that time, games didn't have credits like they do nowadays. So the developer hid his name in the game and you could find a secret room and find it. So the billionaire had nobody to give his money to and he decided he was so enamored with the concept of Easter eggs that he was going to hide an Easter egg in the Oasis, this this giant virtual world comprised of thousands of planets and there's cyberpunk worlds and then there's fantasy worlds and you'd have to know if you're in a magic zone or an or, or a science zone or some of them have cross and all sorts of stuff like it's crazy how many places that this easter egg could be hidden and the the, the finder of the easter egg would inherit the oasis and the company that runs it in 2.5 or, or no sorry multi-billion dollar company uh, and so uh, it leads to the main character and many other characters like participating in this giant contest, and right. it, it's more than one step to 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 find this Easter egg. And meanwhile, the villain and I thought this was really clever. The villain of the book is the internet service provider, essentially. So like. In Canada, Bell or Rogers provides our internet or Verizon in the States. I don't know. Comcast. It, People hate Comcast. Yeah, right. So imagine, if you will, Comcast or whatever. Like this, There's one giant company in 2044 that provides most of the internet. 
and it it wants it's worth billions of dollars and it wants to find the easter egg because then it will in, it will own the oasis and be able to put advertising where it wants and do all this sort of stuff right mm. and so the it it creates a giant task force in its in its company devoted to solving the 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 um the easter egg hunt and they 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 don't play by the rules obviously they they use every exploit possible you know and so it's it's really a it's really compelling there's also tons of references to 80s stuff um now I'm more of a 90s kid like I was a re- I was a child in the 80s so I can't appreciate I think if you were in your 40s in particular you would really get a kick out of a lot of the references cuz some of the 80s stuff was too deep dish for me but I think the idea is that you get these references and you get into it so anyway Ready, Ready Player One it's not like the greatest book of all time but the pages will just zoom by and it's really made for the gamer generation and if you're a video gamer you will get a lot out of it it's really cool and it is it is one of those more imaginable futures uh so especially in the year of oculus it's totally worth checking out my recommendation a book ready player one by ernest klein and if you're if you're a true gamer that really can't read i mean you're illiterate (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) then you're in luck because it's being made into a movie by steven spielberg yeah so Pretty interesting cred there, movie cred. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, um, those are our recs. So gamesdonequick.com from Bo, Ready Player One uh, by Crofton. Neither are video games, but you know what? You've got to diversify in this life. And gave- to be fair, they're video game content. Like this is, yeah. we're not. Yeah, talking video it's game It's not stuff. like me trying to pass off. Uh, what would I try to pass off? Like some transformers thing yeah like oh, it was a youtube video transformers on it. that's my recommendation that like, was a low point in your career bro <laughs> i know i know um, but you know what we all got to weather low points if you want to tell us what the low points in our careers are or tell us about yours you can by sending us an email at exmpodcast at gmail.com we always want to hear from our legion of fans hi bo's mom she's probably tuned out by now um you can follow us on Twitter at EXM Podcast. EXMPodcast.com is our website, and all our episodes are, are put up there. But you can also uh, iTunes us or Stitcher us and give us the greatest reviews known to man, which I think, unfortunately, man has a limited imagination and they're still five stars. But we'll take your five stars. Uh, Facebook.com slash EXM Podcast. Like us on Facebook. You'll be notified when new episodes. You can participate in our growing community. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe sorry. just growy. Like we don't have the. We're growing as a community. We are uh, growing. Tw- Twitch. We can't go slash... anywhere but grow. Like yeah, you... that's right. I mean, you got to grow somewhere. Li- you you literally can't decay from the point we are. So if you're someone listening to the show and you're this far, we fucking love you, man. Yeah, thank you. We love you. You're Spread the great. word. And if you love this show, like, if you made it this far in the show, and this is a long episode, you love the show. So you should be telling, you know, who you know that likes games that they should check this out, too. Or, Just because we want to share the love. Or, Crofton, I'll let him continue, but, you know. Or it's possible that you left your recording device on. You know, you're <laughs> just like, what's this podcast? You hit play. Then your mom said, hey, can you help me do this thing? And you left it on. And then you're just tuning in now. In which case, you should really go back and listen. This was a good episode. Um, 
twitch.tv slash exm podcast we do live stream this show as often as possible on our twitch channel uh we get lots of friendly people out to tell us what a great job we're doing and to not say anything unflattering about our appearances so you can totally do that twitch.tv slash exm podcast <laughs> also we have a sister podcast where i'm talking about the good bad bullshit podcast we do this with our buddy mike hodgins He's not as impressive as us, but because he's not on this show, he can't say anything really to repudiate that. Um, Goodbadbull.com. All the episodes are there. iTunes and Stitcher. We're individuals of an individual nature. You can follow us uh, on the internet. I'm at Croft and Steers. But most importantly, Bo is on Twitter. At Bo Schwartz. At Bo Schwartz. Find out what I'm up to there. It's our names. It's our names. Good luck spelling them. Um, I'm sure you can do it. If you, if you listen this far in the show, then you are really dedicated, so I'm sure you can do it. Um, so to reward you for all your great work uh, in listening, we are going to move to the final segment of the show, and that is the Master to Game Theater Quote of the Week. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Man, my English accent is cringeworthy. <laughs> it's Bo? now time. It's, it's it, time. I got time wrong. Bo, if I was time. to tell you that we were going to be doing a quote from Fallout, a, a Fallout game, do you have... Would you know right off what quote we're doing? Do you think there's a multitude of quotes? Before I answer that question, funny enough that Fallout 4 didn't come up in our Game of the Year conversation at all, did it? I don't remember you mentioning it. I know I didn't. I I mentioned it a couple of times in talking about how many open world games there are. And I talked about in terms of The Witcher 3, people being really excited for Fallout 4 and declaring it the Game of the Year before it even released. But uh, neither of us have played but, Fallout. But uh, what 4, I'm saying is, clear. it didn't enter really into our. Have you played Fallout Four yet? No, I own yeah. it but now. You, okay, but, but you I haven't, haven't cracked it open yet. Metal Gear Solid first, and then Fallout. It, it will seems be after. like it seems like it, it was really. It's a good year in gaming when that game is low down on your list because yeah, that was. I think that hit really well with people. People really liked that game, so. It's more Fallout, and Fallout 3 was good. Fallout yeah. New Vegas was good. I'm sure this will be good, too. It's just that... Like, the Witcher's more Witcher, are, you know, like... But that it's, game... It's funny, yeah. it's funny though, because it's not. That's the thing, because I played yeah. The Witcher 1 and 2. It's not the same game, and that's, what's, that's why it's so good. I'm not a huge fan of The Witcher 1 or 2, although I'm tempted to go back and play the second one. Anyway, we're on a All complete right. yeah. side I, track. It was just a tangent, because it just clicked with me that i felt like we didn't give fallout its due in our game of the year conversation but um you i forget the question <laughs> the question is bo there is one quote in fallout that everybody knows and we're going to be doing that one this week it's one line and because you have a deeper voice and i sound like a squeaky prepubescent te- teen i think you should do it <laughs> i think you shouldn't have corrected yourself prepubescent teat was uh Oh, uh, Mr. Bo, can you do it, please? Are you sure? I, I feel like I haven't heard the quote in a while. I feel like you, you know. You know what? I'll do it because you've done a lot lately, yeah, and it I feels wanna... like it's, I can cop I, out on this one. I feel like you're ones. more of a follow-up player than I am. I feel like you're... if justice is to be served today in the world of gaming, we will remember this day as the day Crofton was given his due. 
in the Master Game Theater. I, it's, it's amazing how long this episode is. I wonder how it could possibly be this long. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's because we keep going on crazy rants and diatribes. Okay, here we go. Crofton's doing this line from Fallout. This line is from every Fallout ever. War. War never changes. Oh, my God.